and welcome back to another episode of the San Fonte Global Podcast. Uh, we have, as usual, Jude. How are you today, Jude? I'm okay, my man. Really blustering, windy out here in London, but uh, still good. Ah, well, unlike our guest, which is uh, in LA at the moment. Um, so our guest for this episode is uh, Tessa Ho. She is uh, Hawaiian-born Chinese. According to her LinkedIn profile, she's a quantitative trader and a data scientist. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, we, uh, we met in Hong Kong uh, a few years back, and she is also uh, the first female black belt in Hong Kong. And in her spare time, she travels, she surfs, she surfs, skate, um, trades, and do, does jujitsu. And without further ado, we have Tessa. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys want to talk about because Viking didn't give me any information. He was like, Brilliant. Excellent. Tell me your background. Excellent. I was like, what kind of background? Excellent, yes. <laughs> like, Shit. Tessa Ho, how are you doing, my dear? How are you? I'm quite well, thank you, sir. How is London? Uh, London is good, London is good, bit breezy out here today and stuff like that, but it's all good, all good, all good, on second. Oh, Can you guys God. leave? Are you guys like quarantined in? Or are you guys allowed to walk around and stuff like uh, that? We're allowed to walk around now, um, what do you call it? We are now, uh, we, knew, we are now have um, uh, a limited exercise uh, privileges. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so we're able to go outside, just as long as we stay from uh, two meters apart from your a training partner mm. <laughs> so yeah 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 so it's, it's all you know man it's all a bit uh usual you know usual anyway this is gonna pass soon it's gonna pass soon and you know it'd be good how are you i am quite well i am quarantined in los angeles which is not ah, bad yeah okay okay can you tell by the background la i can tell by the background <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. How's it over there at the moment? It's not bad. I mean, they reopened beaches last week and parks, which is uh, yeah. really good. So I can still get a surf in. Um, and oh, you can go parks. surfing. Okay. Yeah, so before this, you could go surfing outside of LA County. Like, they opened Ventura County and, like, San Diego, San Clemente area first. So mm-hmm. you, I'd just make the drive down. Um down to either San Clemente, actually more Venturas because it's more mellow in Ventura than San Clemente. I'm a pretty shitty short border, so it's like better go where they allow white belts in the water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been surfing? So I've been longboarding since high school. So I'm a pretty decent longboarder, okay-ish. Um, maybe like a blue belt, upper blue belt, four stripes. I don't know. I used to be better in like high school, but now it's kind of, I don't really go that often, but my shortboarding is, is pretty atrocious. Like it's, yeah, it's not bad. It's, yeah, yeah, but you, almost, you, you know, you're from Hawaii, isn't it? So you're supposed to be like, yeah, know. but longboard, like I chose longboarding when I first got started. Cause, uh, oh. my basketball coach at the time was a beach boy. Um, okay. so I could borrow his boards for free and that, this was in Waikiki and they only had longboards so I just started yeah. longboarding um oh, nice. so yeah no no kite surfing not being tempted to go kite surfing dude my knees I got <laughs> joints and shit man you take a jiu-jitsu person and put them into another sport and then all the injuries start coming out 
Is that hard on so, the knees? There, there are a ton of like old people here kite surfing mm. on the lake. I don't I know don't why. Know. It was, uh, I would think it's hard on your like shoulder joints if you fuck up, right? You're like popping it out or getting dragged or some shit. Like you don't let go and oh, you just and no, but you've got, no your, you've got your harness and stuff like that, and it? it's like oh yeah, like, maybe the wind, the wind hits and you jump, and then boom, 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 yeah. boom. That impact. Hmm. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't skateboard. I just surf skate. I don't do the <laughs> shit that you do, Viking. <laughs> what's what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> so surf skating is like it's like more of like a surfing motion. So you don't do like the ollies and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You're just trying to do like surfing things like slides and I don't know, yeah. going up ramps and stuff. So theoretically you're not supposed to hurt yourself as much. I don't know. You can always get hurt, I guess. It has been really hard on my ankles. Oh, that's what I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I kept jumping. Like, ah. He's like jumping, landing like halfway on, halfway off his board. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. I saw kids doing it and it looked really cool. That's because they're like meows. They don't have ligaments at that age. Like literally, I think you have to be young to handle like skateboarding. You either get it when you're young because when you learn when you're old, it just doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, we got to persist in it. Got to persist in <laughs> You can do it, Viking. <laughs> Pro skater. <laughs> it's an Olympic sport. You can represent Hong Kong, maybe. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tess, man, um, tell us about what you do, man. Because um, you're, what is it? What is it that you do? You're a quantitative trader data scientist oh, so I Viking, don't even know what she does but, <laughs> but he, I've been I was like, on this time for ages <laughs> I was like like he's asking me questions he's like what like just tell me about your background I'm like jujitsu background or life and I was like well I'm just sending you my LinkedIn profile then. <laughs> <laughs> bam <laughs> yeah. no I do quantitative trading um, right now cryptocurrency she never explains what that means yeah <laughs> I write computer things, try to buy low, sell higher, sometimes in reverse. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> but, you know, hey, <laughs> you try. <laughs> so you, you guys are the ones that kind of build the algorithms that everybody else goes by? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Usually I do it for uh, the shop that I'm working for, so proprietary trading. Okay. Um, but, you know. It's, it's never too good if you let everybody use it. it you're just not that scalable. So there's only a certain, like, finite amount of edge. So you try to keep it for yourself. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about that How project get... with, uh, oh. with Oleg? Oh, his, um, his online sex store? Or yeah. the Amazon part? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't, uh, I think his Amazon is doing pretty well. I anticipate it to be doing fantastic right now. If it's not doing fantastic, then he should be having issues. <laughs> so everybody should be buying it, their sex toys from Oleg's store. <laughs> Take You're toys. So stuck in Ukraine. Oh, yes. Yeah, but everything is online. All his logistics and stuff run out, out of Hong Kong. And his suppliers are in China. So I don't think that's too big of an issue for him. Okay. Was it TakeToys.net, TakeToys.net.hk or something like that? I've never been on his website. <laughs> it's not bad. 
his website like of of all the so I, I ended up doing like a lot of research on the the sex toy space which was really random because i was working out of pure yoga so my my screen was like strap-ons dildos vibrators in the middle of pure yoga um, but he has like a quite a, a variety of products i think probably more so than the majority of u.s stores and other stores so so if you needed a fuck doll, there you go. <laughs> to, to put in a stadium, like in the Korea, do you remember <laughs> that stuff? That article that came out this week, where um, I think it was a uh, because they have to have closed events, they um, yeah. uh, the the football team <laughs> put sex dolls inside the stands, <laughs> so it looked like people in there. <laughs> but all girls, <laughs> all like underage girls, all like <laughs> just everybody's like. <laughs> I think I think what do you call it? I think they got fined for it or something like, like eight, eight five thousand dollars, you know, for for putting. I was like, man, just let it go. Those things are expensive too. Like, there's like, why would it you just try to create like a jujitsu dummy and put like a random mask on? That would be cheaper. Like, six dollars are expensive. They are expensive, huh? We we went to visit oh, like store a couple of times. Oh, he took us up there. But um, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they took us up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know they're expensive. A bit of backtrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to visit Oleg, we were visiting Oleg in a sex store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me about your jujitsu life, man. Come on. San it's Fran. not. It's not existent right now. Yeah, I started at uh, at House with Kurt. Um, mm. That was back when it was on Valencia Street, so it was pretty small. I think probably the size of Kowloon. Not not such a big space. And um, yeah, I was just looking for a martial arts that would be more practical. And at the time, this is like the random story that I tell everybody. I was actually working at the bar on Castro, which is a gay bar, and I was like bar backing, bars handing. And I don't, do you guys know the difference between queens and bears and all those terminologies? Mm. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> Educate us. Okay. Queens are like the more feminine gays. I think you could, like, you could probably call them more along the lines of a fag if you could appropriate that term. Um, so my bar was queens. So they're just like, you know, they're more mellow. They're getting into slap fights. It's not like anything major. And then the bears are like the big muscly guys with like the leather chops that you kind of see. Um, and so there was a bear in my bar and I was cleaning up the drinks on the counter. Um, and I just grabbed empty glasses and he's like, Oh, that was my drink. So I like passed it back to him and he like finishes and he's like, that wasn't my drink. And I was like, well, there's only, you know, two, two drinks. That was the last one I took. So, okay. And he like throws the glass over his shoulder and I'm like, well, you can't just throw a glass, buddy. You could have told me and I went to poured you a fresh new one for free. And I was like, well, now I have to kick you out. You don't give me any choice. So like, you know, it was like a happy hour, I think on a Friday. Mm. Um, so it was just kind of filling up, um, but not too much. And so I'm like pushing him through the crowd and it's all like uh, the queens, the gay boys dancing. And he like turns around and grabs me by the, uh, the back of my neck. And so in college, I got a black belt in Taekwondo, but that was kind of like, you know how Taekwondo is really commercialized. You just learn your mm. little poomse and then you like learn a couple words and a couple kicks and you don't actually spar, but you, then you get a certificate, right? And you get a new belt. And that's basically what happened. Like I got a black belt in like four years, only doing it like six months out of the year. I was yeah. like, yeah, I can memorize forms. Um, 
And I was like, okay, yeah, nothing Taekwondo could probably help me in this situation. And I just like grabbed him by his neck and I was like, don't fucking touch me. And all the queens were like, get your hands off of her. And like, I was like, what, like, really, what are you going to do with this guy? You're going to slap him? Mm. Like, like this guy's really big. And so I managed to like push him out to the bouncer and we had legit bouncers. Like the bouncer was a Samoan guy. So I was like, yeah, okay, handle him, brother. Yeah. And um, I was like, ooh, I think I need another martial art, like something that's like actually practical. And yeah. I've been, you know, riding my bike past, um, the Health Gracie gym for forever and just like looking in the window and then seeing Kurt and they were just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go in there. And yeah. um, it was across the street from like this biker, like bark, biker bar. So everybody was like super sketch. And I was like, hmm. Um, and then like the next day I was like, all right, let me just give jujitsu a try. And then I went in and the first day, Chris, I put on a gig and on the mat and I'm like, sweet. Okay. And it was just so much fun. Like totally loved it. Fell in love with it. Nice. So where did you go from from there? So I actually only started doing two classes a week as mm -hmm. as a white belt, right? Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to commit or not. And then yeah. I thought I was doing pretty, you know, when white belt, you think you're doing pretty well. Because I was pretty athletic and pretty big. So I thought mm -hmm. I was doing well for a white belt. Probably people were just being really nice to me. Um, and then about like four or five months in, they're like, oh, there's a tournament. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to kill all these bitches i'm gonna destroy them so i was like okay i better go to like three times a week i better get serious right so i started training three times a week and i show up at this tournament like i'm gonna destroy everybody and like in the first 45 seconds i got like armbarred <laughs> like my world crumbled <laughs> like, especially um because you know i've been playing team sports my entire life and you know when yeah. you lose as a team if you lose a basketball game you're like oh, okay right back we'll get we'll get them next time you know blah yeah, you, yeah. you don't you don't take it personally like we failed yeah. as a team like yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I did my part i did pretty good but y'all suck you know kind of thing mm. um but then when it's jujitsu and it's just you versus somebody else and you lose and you think you're gonna destroy yeah. ass it's like a huge ego like crush right and i was like you can't hide you can't hide. And then you're like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I suck. I obviously suck. And so, you know, you really have to come to terms. You're like, well, am I going to quit? Because that just means I suck more if I'm a quitter. Because nothing, yeah. nothing is worse than being a quitter. Or do I train harder and train more? So this never happens again because this is the worst feeling ever. Yeah. And, and that's basically what I opted for. I was like, all right. How many, you know, when is the gym open? Six days a week? All right, done. So then it was just like nice. every day after that, because I was like, I never want to feel that again. And then I want to yeah. kill bitches. So nice, nice, nice. Where did Chicago drop into this? Um, so it my jujitsu kind of follows my career path. Um, mm -hmm. kind of ronin that way. I just kind of take the best opportunity at that point in time. And being a trader is, is not such a stable job. Um, mm -hmm. So I went to Chicago for another trading position. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where I started training with Junior. Um, so that's that's basically what my, my yeah, jujitsu kind of follows my career. Like I usually choose a city where I know there's good jujitsu. It like goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. But usually at this point, I can find good gyms anywhere I go in the major, like, metropolitan cities around the world um in the beginning yeah i'm lucky that i landed in san francisco and started there because uh, yeah, jujitsu was very small yeah 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 it's a it's a that's that side is a, is a hotbed for mma and and jujitsu man 
Yeah, and I started like 2004, 2005-ish. So mm. it's a, yeah. Nice, nice. How many times did you compete at purple and, and blue? Um, I think back in the day, I always did pans and I always did worlds. Uh, in California, it was easier, uh, but there wasn't as many tournaments because that was back in mm. the day before IBJJF was really IBJJF. Yeah. Um, so I did like the U.S. Open, um, some of the Santa Cruz tournaments in there. So I think I was competing maybe like four four times a year back in the day. Also, there wasn't there wasn't as many weight classes for girls. So a lot of times I would end up. I think when I first started, the weight class was like 150 pounds or like what is that like 63 kgs to infinity. Mm-hmm. And I would end up fighting like 180 pounds, two, yeah, 200 pound girls, and I'm like, this, this isn't going well, <laughs> you know. So I was like, okay, let's, let's try again. <laughs> but I would do like gi, I would do no gi, and my no gi game was absolutely not existent. But I just like to compete. Like you know, when you first start jujitsu, you see all the white and blue belts. You're just like, I just want to compete, and you just like yeah. compete for every tournament possible. And you're just like, but you never train no gi. They're like, I just want to compete. And that's where I was. I'm like, I don't train nogi ever, but I'm going to compete and I'm going to do a flying triangle. My first, <laughs> just like, I jumped into the flying triangle and just like slid all the way down. I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what year did you do the Pams? Because uh, I've always like, I did that tournament in, uh, was it 2003? And I've always kind of loved it. But that was when you had to, uh, everyone weighed in the day before. And so there's this cute, huge queue around the, around the building and stuff like that. It was just so, so not organized as it, as it was now. <laughs> yeah, it was like a three-day tournament back then or something like that, right? Like, I, I started I started blue belt. Like, I didn't, I only did local tournaments as white belt. I didn't feel like I was ready to compete. So I started doing, like, pans and worlds as the blue belt. Yeah. Um, and, and that was pretty much it. And then I think purple belt, I did pans or worlds. I think I usually did both. Like, I would fly down definitely for both. And then I did no gi. Um, in New York, which I don't remember so much at because I was pretty horrible <laughs> at Nogi. I was like, maybe one fight and done at that point, or maybe two fights. I have no idea. Yeah. You still get to play basketball? Um, no. Uh, dude, I can't jump anymore. Fuck. You know, it's like, that's one of the reasons I started jiu-jitsu is because, like, my level for basketball in my head, I can think I, I still think I can do all these things that I could do yeah. when I was like young and in college. But if you don't can't do it physically anymore and then you still think you can do it, you get even more injured. So that's that's kind of where it's at. I was like, you know That's like that's old age for you, mate. That's yeah, right. <laughs> but, <doing> jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah, but jujitsu is like, you know, you can always modify it. Like you're like, oh, I you know I think when I started, I knew I was going to suck at jiu-jitsu. So it was like, okay, well, I'm, I, I already know I'm going to suck. So I'm at the baseline. I can't suck anymore because I know I can't do a lot of things. Yeah. So it was like, there's only surprises to the upside. There's no like downside versus basketball. I think it's just all downside. I'm like, everything <laughs> that I think I can do, I can't do. So what's the point, you know? Yeah. Have you been, uh, have you been keeping up with the Jordan doc- documentary? Actually, no, I don't. I don't really watch no. too much TV. No, I don't watch any TV. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, if you don't watch anything, but you just go watch one thing, it's, it's good. It's yeah. really, really good. It's, uh, I just like the 
the way um, it talks about that you know he talks about the championship mindset and stuff like that and pulling the team along <laughs> with the team and sometimes not being you know not always kind of like pushing but you have to pull people and get the best out of your own teammates and stuff like that it's actually it's actually very very interesting and just to see somebody who is at that level and how they think and you know and you know the way he justifies the reasons why he did certain things it's um yeah very very eye-opening you know probably one of the best sports documentaries ever ever made i think I think to be that great, you have to sacrifice so much. And a lot of that is being really selfish, right? And I don't know. I I think maybe I could have been a team player, but I like a role player on, on with somebody great like that. But I don't know. Sometimes those guys are like, you're so great, but you're such an asshole. Um, yeah. Like, can you, can you actually deal with somebody like that? Like, is your desire to win, like to, to be able to deal with an asshole like that? Yeah, maybe. That is part of the image that he comes across as in the documentary. Uh, But he justifies it as like a necessary, you know, evil. Yeah. Not everyone has the the, The the absolute will to to get it done. Mm. But uh, that was really impressive, I thought. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's what they said about Kobe too, right? Like when he was younger, he had that same drive and it was a little bit off-putting toward his his teammates. So until you prove that you 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 can bring people to that championship level, then you're just an asshole. But once you start winning those championships, then you're a great asshole and people will tolerate your assholeness. Um, yeah. I, I do I, but I do I do believe it's 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 part of it's part and parcel of, of attaining those those type of levels. Um where actually as 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 you say you're right, you have to be you have to be selfish and you have to have that drive and if somebody else is pulling you down or is not up on your level or can't bring you to that level, then you know, it's either you pull them along by being an arsehole or you drop them to the side, you know. But you know, yeah. that's that's the goal. Is the goal the goal is to win? But I think that's in everything else as well. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's in it's in business as well. You know, it's like if somebody's not at the level that you are, or even in training, if a person is not helping you or pushing you to that level or exposing you to that level, then you can't, um, you know, you you can't lie to yourself and and you know say oh yeah, yeah you know it's okay it's okay it's not it's not it's not making you better so yeah you can't train with them you know so. it could be training like dragging a dead weight all the time yeah yeah it's uh it's actually rather interesting because i think in finance um some of the the top performers at least in terms of trading and hedge fund these guys have serious asperger's so um their ability to focus, like their mindset, because of their Asperger's, they're just focused on achieving a goal, right? Which is yeah. fine because their sport, you know, trading, finance, whatever, it's a very individualized sport. So their, you know, their greatness can be done without having to deal with all these external social interactions. Um, mm. It's actually rather interesting to see that level of focus and. I, I wouldn't say maybe lack of social empathy, um, mm-hmm. 
in a team environment because you can't, as one person, you know, you might have Asperger's and you might be solely focused on it. And that's great. You can go as far as you can go, but you're only as good as your team. So it's really interesting to have that level of focus within a team dynamic, where, as you said, you have to like push or pull and just like force everybody to rise to a level that you need to help you achieve that goal. Um, that's actually rather interesting to see that. Dynamic. Do you come across uh, many traders that do jujitsu? Now, yes, more so. Um, I spent the month in, of October in 2019 in New York solely for that reason. It was to to train and then network. I think a lot of finance guys are doing jujitsu more. Um, part of it is they like the just you know it's a very physical sport. It's a good it's a good lifestyle sport. Um, but it's also a mental sport, so you can compete on many different levels. And um, there's also a level of street cred, you know, like anybody can play tennis and hire or something, but you have to be really, really tough to, to stick and, you know, achieve a black belt in jiu-jitsu. It's not something you can buy off, you know. It's not like my taekwondo black belt. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes and no, right? Like, That's not what I saw in chat. <laughs> So how much are you guys charging it? No, <laughs> what are your PTs? <laughs> um, but right, like you can't, uh, you know, maybe you got a belt, but you can't fool, you can't fool the everybody on the mat when it comes to open mat or sparring, right? You can't, you can't fake it like that. So um, I think that's something that people respect. It's still a respectable thing, at least now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe in the future it's not. I, I have no idea, but it still it still has that like you can't fake it so i think that's that's still one of the beauties of jiu-jitsu in the fact that actually it still has that that legit um side to it you know yeah i just hope that it, it doesn't it doesn't fall asunder you know in the, in the next like 50 to 100 years but it's it's you know extremely important that we do kind of maintain that ethos and and that um you know that authentic, authenticity about it you know, totally it's important I think as long as we have sparring as part of training, then it wouldn't fall too far off. I mean, take you know, I don't know if you've been watching this uh, video circulating around of the the Tai Chi master. Well, they got knocked out in like, like yeah, five again, seconds. Right? This is not. It's not his first match, a public match. Uh, it's probably like a second or third. But um, like I was telling i was asking jude like what what would make him believe in his own hype and actually go out and and do this because it's not logical yeah, by by him he's not saying me just that guy no no <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like come on jude <laughs> tai chi master don't you know yeah like jude just going through china and trying to knock out tai chi masters that'd be awesome like, yeah welcome to bellator motherfucker <laughs> but the fact that they they do step out and and take the challenge that's that's something i find quite odd yeah. It, yeah. It, it is really really sad it's um but actually it's again it's about um what's that what's that book um uh, the righteous mind with mm. um you know it, it's a really good book and it delves into why people believe what they believe and sometimes you know the, the basically the, the upshot of the book is that at the end of the day 
you know, you can't change somebody's mind if they believe in something like wholeheartedly. So no matter what you say, no matter what you do, if you believe the earth is, you know, somebody believes the earth is flat and you're trying to convince them, it reaches a point in which you, you it's can't. It's the fuck? No, it's... it's, it's <laughs> you been training with pyramid. Eddie Bravo? <laughs> it's shaped as a pyramid. The only parts of it. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's, so people have, you know, whether, you know, whether you believe they're right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. But it's just that some people have their beliefs and beliefs and if you and them kind of like don't marry up in the things that you believe, sometimes it's just like people you, there's no way of you you can convince them so you know he's one of those people i believe who, who's just so has a, such a belief in his you know he, he, all you got to do is follow that matt dojo um big shout out to matt dojo dude. <laughs> um uh, instagram account where you know he, he just continually just kind of like you know exposes yeah. and, and shows everybody about you know certain martial arts and stuff like that and where the students kind of believe in their instructor you know, to such a degree that, yes, it does have some effect on them or whatever, you know what I mean? But that's just, it's all up, it's all up here, you know? I mean, we both know a lot of black belt instructors that don't roll anymore, right? I mean, there's there's so many, like, and it, that's part of it. I think you get lost into teaching and then you stop the practical aspect of it. And, yeah. and then you're just like, for whatever reason maybe they got injured or maybe you know something else happened in their life but um it's it's hard to progress the the knowledge base especially when the game changes so much and then you're it's like it's like me playing basketball in my mind i was great right i can still do those yeah. things but physically you can't <laughs> you just can't so the, the mind, yeah <laughs> it's like jump two inches off the ground yeah no like yeah. so i think if you stop rolling, you disconnect between what you can achieve physically and where you were last mentally. That's yeah. I think that's what happens. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is why this whole thing about you know what we're currently going through is just like ah, it's so frustrating because I think each each individual person needs that kind of connection and then that you know with the other person to find new stuff and you know just keep that learning process going because that's kind of like that's yeah, that's the, what it's about. You keep trying new stuff, testing it out, works, yeah. doesn't work, da 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 da, da etc. No, it's problem solving. And yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the beauty of jujitsu. It's a problem solving art. It's a problem solving sport. You know. So yeah, we. So what? Not- what have you guys been doing during quarantine? Like, assuming that you don't have a garage, <laughs> a garage mat, and like you're not, you're not training with like one buddy or something like that. I mean, maybe Vikings training with his son. I've got no one. Yeah. I've been doing just body weight stuff and I was trying to run, but I just realized I'm not good too fat. up for it. Exactly. <laughs> My ankles hurt. <laughs> it just sucks so much. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but no, I've been doing like some band work and, and, and all that. Um, some Just pick up whatever I could find around the house. But uh, today, actually yesterday, one of my one of my mates from another town. He uh, he came to stay overnight, and so mm-hmm. he brought mats with him. And this oh, uh, nice. was the first time I've rolled in like three months. And how did uh, that go? Was it like were you like shit? I suck, or like? Yeah, do you know what? I I didn't feel any any different. It it was like I just snapped back right into. Um, I don't know. Maybe the timing is off. If I'm right. with with a, another high level guy, but um, it was. 
as if I never left. Um, obviously, the the outlet was great. I really enjoyed trying to squeeze the life out of him. But, <laughs> like that was really really nice, you know. And that, <laughs> like this is the extra Tony K, pasta pomodoro. But uh, no, it was really great just to get your role out, you know, get that flow, the, the connection, even just like, you know, when you're together and you're, you're touching, struggling, that that tension, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know of any other sport, maybe wrestling, boxing or whatnot, but it's, uh, it's very unique. Squeeze. Yeah, it, it, it is the <laughs> squeeze and the struggle, the reaction, you know. It felt really good. And then obviously you, you chat and, you know, the whole day is just better. Yeah. But, um, but like the, the decree in, um, in Italy, they, they're just saying combat sports won't be open till next year. Oh, yeah. so you headed back to Hong Kong soon then? Uh, I'm hoping so, uh, to, depending on how this thing turns out. But um, that, that's a plan. Let, let's see. I have no idea. <laughs> and Jude, what Speak- about you? What have yeah. you been up to? Same sort of thing without the training, just cycling and stuff. Actually, today was quite funny because I like I take I just cycle and take my little boy out with me seven. Mm-hmm. And so t- today I, I he, he did his PB. We cycled for oh. twenty eight mi- miles. That's a good ride. That's pretty yeah. far. Yeah, twenty eight miles. Anyway, That's amazing. Turn, turn, turn him into Lance Armstrong for that EPO is my <laughs> my backup plan. <laughs> But backup plan, <laughs> my retirement plan. No, but he, he, he just loves cycling. He just loves anything like sport orientated as well. So, yeah, you have just... him on a you have him on a road bike or like a mountain bike or yeah, he's, no, he's on a mountain bike at the moment. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. twenty eight miles on a mountain bike is hardcore, man. Yeah, that's not yeah. very fast. Like that's yeah. slow. No, he's, he's all right. He's all right, man. He's yeah. all right. it's quite funny because uh, the track we take is just down by the river so, and oh, okay. uh, there's like there's people yeah. cycling. So we always go like we cycle, cycle, and I go ah. Oh, Got to catch that fat old man in front. <laughs> <laughs> so it just keeps going, going, going. It was good. It was good. It was very, very good. You know, I mean, he'll be all right. That's his. That's his big one for the week. But hey, he's gonna, gonna fall asleep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, all so his lunch, I, eating all his dinner. I used to cycle before I got into jujitsu in San Francisco. Like I did the eight mm. cycles a lot, and I think it's one of the easiest ways to get your endorphins on because like it's not like running like running you're like after you run you're like fuck this shit like you're just not (laughs) like happy right you're like happy you stopped but you're not happy that you ran and like you dread it but like cycling it's if it's a nice day out man it's so much fun you you just you're just always smiling yeah yeah always 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 it's good it's a great it's a great sport man it's a great sport (laughs) me me and running don't go too too well together man my feet from jiu-jitsu and then yeah the impact yeah, yeah, on the yeah, knees yeah. right yeah that's why you always used to tell me to run who me yeah that was because we for road run <laughs> yeah no because it's because it's yeah mate because it's brilliant it's the effects of it is brilliant mate it's great it's great you know it's like especially when i fought mma and stuff like that or when my missus to train tie boxing so i used to run with her you know it's be good very very good because you do feel awful Awful. Afterwards, though, you do feel good. You know, next day and you're getting ready, you do feel good, and it's a good way of getting your gas up fast, man. Like, really, really fast. But hey, you know, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes you mentally strong, though, because like you're running. It your does. Mind. Yeah. It makes you mentally strong. 
it's just like, oh, I've got this couple of miles left. Boom, boom, boom. And now you've got to do it. You know you can't stop. you just got to do it. Yeah, because if you stop, you're like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> I'm like yeah, so far you, you, away. You're like, I'm you, screwed. Your, your body just goes, <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, so you got to keep moving, man. Keep moving. You kind of can get away a little bit with <clears> that, but yeah, yeah running, running's still good. Still good. Just sucks. Sucks when you shit it. <laughs> like me. <laughs> so, Tess, so when, when, I, did you, uh, mm. when did you move to Hong Kong? I moved in, I think, what, 2011 or 2010? Maybe the end of 2010. Yeah. Okay. Is that your first time in a in an Asian sort of a city? Um, living, yeah. I visited. Yeah. I've traveled a lot, but um, actually living in Asia, that was the first time. And how was that compared to, you know, any other cities? And how was the training back then compared to what it is now or back in the States? Um, I think when I first got to Hong Kong, <clears throat> when I first got to Hong Kong, excuse me, <clears throat> there was only, um, I think, four four gyms. And I think Caporal, uh, Rodrigo Caporal was the only Brazilian there. Um, and the level was more of a physicality than I think of a technical level at that point in time. Um, but man, they did grow fast. I think within like three or four years, you know, the technique level just exploded. Like, I think when I first got there, nobody knew De La Hiva. And, you know, within two or three years, you had guys like, I don't know, De La Hiva and Grimbaloing. It's, it, it's a really fast growth. And, and I think a lot of it is, you know, people get really into it. They like watching videos. People started traveling more. They started like competing. Other people from outside started coming in. I think when Deros and Epic came, that was another big jump forward. Um, I think when like people like yourself that have grown up in Hong Kong, but like went abroad and trained abroad and achieve a higher level abroad return to Hong Kong. I think that's when the sport really grows again because it's like another level and even more so because um, I think the local level starts growing much faster when like, like, like yourself, like come back, you know, people repatriate back um, because you're able to communicate with people versus just having like expats who can only speak English. And then you have a disconnect in language. Um, so, yeah. That's one of the things that, yeah, that's one of the things that I, I realized when I uh, went to Hong Kong and China and stuff like that. The fact that, um, you know, a Viking speaks English as well as, and how it kind of kind of translates and how the guys quickly picked up techniques yes. because of that. Yeah. Um, is, is, was, it was actually a, a very, very big learning curve, you know? because yeah. sometimes you take what you know for granted and you take because it's a physical sport and you know it's because of its physicality you think you can show you know stuff somebody some something and they'll kind of pick it up or get the majority of the gist of it but right. actually, no not in terms, there are still the small details that actually need to be explained like the things like the history of this is how we got to this point and it actually yeah. totally big difference on with regards to the technique that you're learning and um yeah that's i think the you know the dual language things especially in asia is is a is a massive advantage for it's for, for anybody teaching anyway if, if you're teaching if you're teaching a foreign country 
and you speak English, you know, it's your kind of duty really to learn the other language so that you actually can, you know, you can. I totally failed on that part. Like nine yeah, years in hard, Hong Kong man. and I'm fucking eight years in Hong Kong. I failed. I can, I can't even get a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hong, Hong Kong is like Hong Kong is probably like I don't know like Marbella in Spain or you know um, where you know everybody speaks English or like Paris you know you know well no the French are different yeah the French the French know yeah, English they won't speak it but they yeah know they it. yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah yeah no we don't know English, English but I'm like but you're speaking yeah. to me now like, what, like, how does that work no France is a bad example but you know there's a few places around the world where you know where you try to kind of integrate and try to learn the language but they're so insistent that you speak English and it's like me no I'm trying to learn it. <laughs> speaking of uh which uh, what was it like growing up in hawaii i mean from from what i understand both your parents are chinese yeah so my dad is second generation in hawaii so he's a lost cause he just speaks english um oh right and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh my mom she was uh, born on the mainland, but she traveled a bunch because my grandfather, my gongong, was part of the um, the World Health Organization, the WHO. So he, they, tri- they lived all over WHO. Yeah. Um, so she, <laughs> she is like the, she is like some that fake British thing that you've got going on. Like she's like, would you like, should we go to the museum today? I'm like, the what museum? I'm like, so she like every once in a while, like <laughs> some British words come out, and I'm like, it's so random. Um, so yeah, but uh, Hawaii is really diverse. Like, everybody's mixed with everybody. It's it's really it's really quite a diverse place. Yeah, it's one, it's one of my gotta get there, gotta go there at some point. I haven't been either. Uh, what I'm, I'm you guys haven't? Really oh man. Yeah. Well, right now they're quarantining people who visit in hotels, but the hotels are really cheap. So. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I might be able to draw a comparison would be Guam. Um, it's very similar to Guam. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. After visiting Guam, like lifestyle-wise, it's very similar. Right. Um, I think just city-wise, it's a lot bigger, uh, depending what island you're on. But lifestyle is practically the same. Hmm. Would you ever go back and live? Um, I probably would. I, I think I do enjoy traveling. So um, for me, I view Hawaii as like, okay, I am settling down. That's my settle spot. Mm-hmm. But I guess with the, the option of not traveling, I would rather be in Hawaii than any other place. <laughs> if, it's, if you're not able to travel, why wouldn't you just be in Hawaii? So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Warm weather. Food. Yeah, like I, I think it's a it's a lot easier for me to find like a garage jujitsu partner because um, you know all my high school friends and like other friends are there and they've all wrestled they all train so it's easy to throw mats down and you know be pretty sure that your little group is contained because we all know everybody um, mm. versus like I feel like here in LA it's it's. I don't know, I've been trying to find like a quarantine jujitsu partner and it's it's impossible. Like I can't find anybody that even wants to drill. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not I'm not making one of those jujitsu dummies. I refuse to do it. Like that's just like it's great, it works for other people, but I'm like, man, like just 
no. Were you not tempted to just go? Because I, I saw quite a few people that they're rallying up to, to just open. Um, to know. protest? You want me to protest? Um, no, 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 no. They, they just <laughs> opened up their gym, their business. I, I'm actually a little bit particular about that. Like, I don't mind training with a small group of people I know. I think it's... Mm. It's one of those things where you have to weigh risk and reward. Um, if you have a small group of people that you're relatively, you know, familiar with, then you can, con the contract, you know, contact tracing is relatively easy, right? But in the scope of like ruling at a gym, um, I'm just a little hesitant because, you know, like Meraki, I I've been training at Meraki here um, with Jason and Kenny and they have so many people come through and it's like, you know, how do you know? How do you control? And a lot of different people, you don't know what their circles are. You don't know what their like risk tolerances are, or, like what their hygiene has been. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, I can control what I can control. And, you know, doing the due diligence and knowing my partners is, you know, something I can control. So, and then it's having trust in the people that I'm, I choose to roll with and knowing that, you know, I have to hold myself accountable to them in terms of like my, you know, quarantine and my risks. So I don't want to get them infected if I have them in a circle. So. It's a it's a massive um, uh, paradox with regards to actually, you know, what do you do? Or it's it also I think it's I think everybody's kind of like waiting for that that um, government initiative to say you know what yeah. it's okay. And, and I think that's what everyone's kind of waiting for. But also everyone's frustrated with the fact that they can't train and the businesses are you know are yeah. shutting down and stuff. Like you still that. have it's, bills to pay. Yeah. 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 So what is your, what is your plan or plan of action, Jude? I'm just curious from being an instructor and gym owner standpoint. Um, it's, it's more to, you know, really truly it's more to wait on the kind of like government initiatives as regards to what, when we can open. Because currently the UK is like, you know, um, it's like, you can go to work, can't go to work. <laughs> you know, it's it's not very you know where other countries like especially like Ireland has been very forthright with regards to its directive. You know, it says August thirtieth, um, sports such as boxing, wrestling, etc., MMA can start to you know can start to open up. Um, so we don't, you know, our government actually hasn't said that. So they're very much reactive. So people they're saying like restaurants are possibly open up at this particular date. You know, and people are going. Well, it's close to gyms, and they're going. Mm, oh yeah, maybe maybe gyms can open this day. But you know, hey, what's about like jujitsu and wrestling and stuff like that? So they're very reactive, and, and I think that you know, jujitsu, sports like jujitsu and judo and wrestling, etc., and combat sports are definitely you know so far down the list, far down yeah. the list, you know, of concerns that you know you know we are probably going to get the the biggest brunt of of this. Um, with regards to actually, you know, within, with regards to the sports industry itself. So, yeah, all we can do is kind of like wait. But when we come back, it, it is going to be, uh, uh, you know, with regards to actually you having a plan as a, in a gym or instructor with regards to how you open up, you know, whether you expand your class times, whether, you know, pe put people in certain slots with regards to when they train, when they don't train, um, you know, who comes to your gym, whether you have visitors, whether you don't have visitors, you know, and then balancing that with your books, 
you know, because at the end of the day, you won't be able to supplement everybody and you won't be able yeah. to supplement the business as a whole. So you have to figure out that actually you will still be running at a loss until, you know, time dictates that actually, you know, you can get back to get back to running, running normal, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's all up in the air. So yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know how how we how everybody gets out of this 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 uh, this thing globally, basically. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what like IBJJF does, etc. You know, with regards to actually changing. Man, I think so, I think I hope, they're screwed, man. Like they they went I hope from, not. Like, oh. I hope not. The reason why I, I you know the reason why I I you know. Um, they get knocked for a lot of things, but you know we don't have any organisation in place that actually is as prolific as them. And you know, at the end of the day, we need it's kind of almost better the devil you know sort of thing. So we we kind of need something in place that allows people to have their goals to go forward. So for us, you know, we're all black belts and stuff like that. We all like compete once in a while, whatever. But there's white yeah. and blue belts coming up that need that that need that kind of push, that need that kind of goal, you know. I, I actually don't feel like they're going to be able to do it until there's a vaccine is, is my, is my thought on that because like, mm. or if there is, it's going to be more of a regional and the numbers are going to be down. So you're going to be going back to like, maybe when we first started, so you have yeah. only those many people and it's a local, it's a local tournament. And mm. you know, you have like in the U S the thing about it though, is in the U S is so litigious that mm. to have this event while something like this is going on opens them up to such like such exposure for lawsuits. Like it's, it's mm. almost un, unheard of. Right. So, yeah. um, they have to have like waivers and I don't know how you're going to try to say, even with waivers, you can still get sued in the U S so yeah, it doesn't yeah. really waivers matter. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think it might be an opportunity for, though for, for them to totally mm-hmm. change the, change that that the the whole outlay of it and change it as a whole you know it might be where you know in order to compete for the europeans you have to qualify for the europeans as a local you know mm. it's like um i remember like back in the days when the europeans first started off and i was like fine brazilian 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 yeah. like, you guys ain't from europe <laughs> you know yeah. european. but because it's an open tournament and i totally understand and I, t- I totally understand the financial aspects of it and stuff like that as well um however it might be a you know this might be an opportunity for them to kind of like totally sit back and like scale it like someone something like judo how judo is you know where you if you're fighting in the world championships then you're a black belt in the world championships and you have to you know i know they do it with the with the black belts adults at the moment but you know just do it for everybody and the world's yeah. will be a smaller t- tournament but a more prestigious tournament yeah and then you know financially they can benefit much better from the lower end tournaments and the yeah. and the regionals and and stuff like that it just means that they they probably have to franchise out a lot more Mm-hmm. But it would mean that when you know you fight in the Europeans or you fight in the worlds, you know more eyeballs are on them. You know it's almost like like the Olympics of of jujitsu, so yeah. to speak. And, I and it's more concentrated. So you won't have like yeah. ten days. You got to get it done in like three days. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. So it, you know, it's 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 just it's just an idea but but i think i think it would be good and i think our sport probably will take on a more serious aspect when it comes to that you know because i think yeah the, the open tournament scenario is is um it's it's great and it's financial financially beneficial when it's just like 
this one big tournament, but with regards to actually <clears throat> going you know, the sport, kind of, yeah, yeah, find out who really is kind of number one blue belt, number one purple belt, and stuff like that without the added kind of financial benefits that they have or you know things that they have it's it'd be good you know number one from france versus the number one from germany versus the number one from america versus you know that mm-hmm. that's interesting man. that's that's interesting well actually speaking of that the uh we talked about the jjif the jjeu the the other mm-hmm. side of the system that is doing something very similar to what you were talking about right because they they are in the the Olympic circuit, and so all the federations are are uh, formed within the country or whatever nation mm-hmm. you are, right? And Tess came along with us uh, on one of the trips, the Asian Championships to Kazakhstan. Um, no, I was in as, Mongolia. Oh, sorry, in Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. I was like, I didn't go to Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> but um how how was that for you um you know both as a i don't know you've ne- probably never been to mongolia but also yeah. as a going as a coach um and also the the run of the tournament and stuff you know it was kind of great it was a great experience um because i wanted to see what the international level was like and also i haven't been to mongolia um so it was you know i think if you can travel to a place you've never been and do jujitsu i think that's ultimate for me um I was surprised, like, they put a lot of effort. You can see where they're trying to grow it nationally. You can see how they're trying to build it into an Olympic sport. Um, And it's interesting to see the level of crossover athletes. Like, I think, you know, we speak of Kazakhstan, like, all those guys in our hotel were probably, like, world-class you know, sambo or like wrestlers and they're just trying to figure out this gi thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like takedowns on point, close guard. What do I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's amazing. You can see the potential of like, okay, if they got serious about it, you know, hired a good coach for like, you know, two, three years time, where would these calibers of athletes be? Like they, they won't need that much. And like Mongolia had a lot of judo crossovers and man, that was impressive. Like their takedowns and like a lot of their, the ground game was great when they're in the positions they recognize and in the positions they don't recognize, it's just like pure athleticism to try to scramble out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's, it's really hard to submit a person like that. Cause they're just so athletic. Um, even if they have zero technique, right. It's just like submitting, like a, a world champion athletic white belt. Like, are you going to be able to do it even as like mama's me as a black belt? No, probably not. If they're at that caliber, you know, as an athlete. Um, so you can see like two or three years, like if Donaher got one of those guys and like, look what he did in Nikki rod. And that guy is just like a pure athlete from college. Like these guys yeah. are like athletes. They're like black belts in another sport and just as athletic. You know, if you take somebody of like Donahue's caliber and you stick them in like Mongolia or something, man, that that athlete is going to be freaky. Mm. So it it was interesting. It was a great eye opening experience. Yeah, that's that, that's really really interesting. It's it's also the the career path of of athletes like that as well because an athlete's from jujitsu. You know, it's you know you go, you win, you get your medals. But then what what's next? You know, yeah. um, do you go back to your backup career? 
15, you know, the thing, the thing back in the day was like, you know, you went and did MMA, you know, you went and fought MMA, um, but a lot of guys now don't take that route, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest path, it's a path you've tread yeah. now, um, but, you know, they usually take the route of actually opening up their own gym and stuff like that, but, you know, I think they're not the smart, smarter ones, but, you know, the ones that, you know, have a few fingers in pies, they, you know, they, they have a backup plan the majority of them you know and go go back to like what they studied in college and then continue their career you know so it's um yeah it's it's, it's in- interesting it, it's it's much i think the, what the sport does need though does need the minds of people when they finish and you know guys when they finish to compete to go back into the sport and add their expertise but also the sports big got to be able to accept those expertise as well mm-hmm. so it's just like when you have a gym and you know you promote someone to black belt and you know they go somewhere else and then you know like viking you know but whenever viking comes to london it's like boom it comes teach class and trains and roles and stuff like that it, it adds such a dynamic to the gym but the same thing like business is the same thing like jiu-jitsu you know we need guys who've, who've finished competing but also to come back and use those expertise whatever they've learned within the, the whole organization of itself and i think that that will kind of like benefit us on a, on a on a bigger scale than than currently what we currently what we have what i did see with uh with, with this organization is that they like the olympics and like um like gay for you know all the the world games or that sort of circuit is that these people come from um very wealthy organizations or companies that are backing these things and a lot of these athletes that retired they mm-hmm. use this network and this fame to to go on um, like humanitarian uh, missions or bringing um, attention to certain issues around the world and uh, maybe even continue studying and so um as some of these meetings I've been sitting in there, the, the heads and the, the, the athletes that came back to, to run these federations, they're all like PhD, you know, doctors or masters or whatnot. And I think that that brings quite a, a, a good structure and a good dynamic back to, to our sport and or sports in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 really interesting because you you can see like in a in a country like Mongolia or Kazakhstan where maybe the opportunities are well, the opportunities are definitely less than if you're in like the UK or the US in terms of job opportunities right mm-hmm. um, so that them being an athlete is probably on par to them being coming like a like an actual like college professor or doing something else like that so they can it's actually like a career whereas like in the US. No, so I was saying, like, in the U.S., if you say you're a professional jiu-jitsu athlete, that's mm. the money isn't there to justify the opportunity cost of you not, like, <laughs> it's not. And this is what happened to surfers. In the early part of surfing, the industry wasn't developed enough. It wasn't commercialized to do that. So if you're saying you're a pro surfer, people just think you're a surf bum traveling the country wanting to surf because the money wasn't there to justify it. Now, if you say yeah. you're a pro surfer, you know, the industry is so big and they win like $100,000 at one event, if not more. And, and their sponsorship contracts are like in the millions, like multi-year deals. 
um, it's like completely different. You're like, whoa, you know, that that takes a lot of effort to be a pro surfer. Like you're really good because it's very difficult to become a professional surfer at that level of quality. Mm-hmm. Versus now, I think jujitsu is still on the, the smaller scale um, where if you're in the U.S. or something like that, you're like, I'm a professional jujitsu. People are like, huh? But if you're in a place like Mongolia and you're a professional jiu-jitsu person, like their opportunities are probably less. It's still like a prestigious thing because it's new and it could be yeah. Olympic sport. And once it becomes an Olympic sport, you know, it's night and day difference there than it is here in the U.S. I mean, yeah. Mm, that's, a, that's a very, very good point, actually. Really good point. Really good point. Well, listen, Tess, man, we hit the hour mark. Oh, man. Even with our commercial break. (laughs) Even with with the commercial break. (laughs) Man, listen, it was good to see you. Good to speak to you, man. Um, Yeah. Keep safe. You've got that uh, good vibe timer. Yeah, so so go, Tess. All right. Um, I guess like any sport, like in life, jujitsu teaches you many things. Um, the biggest is perseverance and empathy because you have to always remember that you are a white belt. So be nice to white belts when you first start. And then eventually with perseverance, which is another quality that you need in life, eventually you'll make a black belt. So, um, never be afraid to try new things. I'm learning to skate, you know, trying to become a short border. I'm definitely a white belt in the water and I'm definitely very grateful to the other black belts in the water that aren't super mean i think they know that i'm a black belt on land which is why they're very nice to me (laughs) i'm still very grateful that they're very nice to me in the water and nobody's really yelled at me and some guys have been very encouraging so i definitely appreciate that so you know you're you'll always be a white belt somewhere and you'll always be a black belt somewhere so just remember you gotta share the kindness you know share the aloha and um just be good to each other Awesome. Listen, Tess, man, it was lovely. Okay, good to see you, man. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you guys so Keep much. Healthy. Yeah, Keep good seeing you guys. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Yeah, hopefully, if I don't have to be quarantined back in like Hong Kong or London. All right. Okay, man. Take care. Take care. Bye. Good night. Cool.